0: Deal with the subject of thanks, and giving thanks this morning. Of all the holidays that we celebrate throughout the year, Thanksgiving is absolutely my favorite. And this year, going into it, I just wanted to be a little more biblically oriented as we prepared for our Thanksgiving service. Um, when I say service, I'm talking about the Painter family, and because four verses, I'd like you to um, consider. The first one is in Philippians 4:6. It says, be careful for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known unto God. And um, that's exactly what Brother Danny did when he opened up service. We had several requests that were made, but also in the middle of that attached to it was a thanksgiving or two. Second reference, Colossians 3 and 17 and whatsoever ye de- do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, giving thanks to God and the Father by Him. So, whatever I do, I'm supposed to give thanks. That sounds pretty often. Amen. Third reference: First Thessalonians five eighteen through twenty. In everything, give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you, speaking to yourself in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things unto God. That sounds pretty often, doesn't it? All of a sudden, I'm starting to feel a little bit condemned. Hebrews 13 and verse 15, By him, therefore, let us offer to the sacrifice of praise to God continually. That sounds pretty often, doesn't it? Mm -hmm. That is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. So there we are, and as we study the subject of Thanksgiving over the next couple Sundays, we're going to ask the who, what, when, where, why, how come, those kind of questions. And today we're going to... um, um, focus on a little bit about just defining it. Now, I spend some time in dictionaries looking up words, but ultimately, Scripture is the best use of the word. And when I looked up all the different various forms of thanks, thanksgiving, thanking, thanked, I looked up the word unthankful, and that shows up twice. One time it shows up in in the book of Titus, where not Titus, Timothy, where it's talking about perilous times. There's all these horrendous things, and one of the things listed there is being unthankful. What does that mean? And there's another passage where it shows up in Luke 6, and that's where we're going to spend our time. But before we get too far, I hope I've convinced you out of the mouth are two or three witnesses, and just for good measure, I used four. But you'll notice that the question here is, to whom do we give thanks? And it's pretty clear that we're giving thanks unto God. Philippians 4 says unto God. Colossians 3.17 says to God. 1 Thessalonians 5 says unto God. And Hebrews 13 says that thanks is given to God. So I don't think the whom, there's really any doubt about it. But how about the when? Notice what it says about the when. It says, in everything, whatever you do, always and continually. So when's the when? (laughs) Always. Yes. So it's, it's, it's something God requires us to do. And it's something that i got to admit, I don't do it continually. I don't do it always. I don't do it that, 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 that frequently, and I've got to be more cognizant of it. Okay? So let's go forward, and I want to get to the passage. Now, I, I, I want to prepare you for this passage. This one took me... Three days to figure out, and three calls to fellow preachers. I called one, and, and well actually I called th- three. Uh, the first two weren't home, and finally I got someone that was home, and we talked about it, and he gave me the answer. And then the Lord was very merciful, because the other two that I called and left messages, they called me back. I try not to bother too many preachers, but three of them came back, and they all gave me a different perspective of it. I mean, the same perspective, but from a slightly different angle. So I'm very thankful for their input. Part of today's sermon is the benefit of other Primitive Baptist preachers. But I want you to notice that sometimes Scripture appears to contradict itself. And this is one of these passages I sat scratching my head for a couple days. Let me give you an example of a contradiction. One of the times Paul says he's thankful, he says he was thankful to the church at Philippi because he says, every time I thought of him, I just gave thanks. One of the things that was so special about the church at Philippi is when Paul was going out, making his loops around the Mediterranean Sea, he would go to some cities and the church at Philippi would send him gifts. And he would be very thankful for them. But what's puzzling is Sometimes he would go into a city like Corinth or Thessalonica and they would say, and they would offer him stuff and he says, no, I don't want anything from you. But when he's saying, no, I don't want anything from you, a gift's coming in from Philippi. And he said, Paul, what's your problem? Why is it okay, w- 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 would their gifts have cooties? I mean, why is it okay to take gifts from Philippi- F- the Philippians but not from the Thessalonicas? Well, what's my favorite two-word answer, Brother Danny? It depends. It depends. You see what happened in Thessalonica? They were lazy bums, okay? And he says, I don't want you, to, I want you to see me working with these hands. So I'm not taking anything from you. But he took gifts from people that didn't have a problem there, amen? So sometimes we look at scripture and it appears there's a contradiction. And at first glance, I ran into that kind of contradiction. But whenever there's a contradiction in scripture, it's always in my head and it's not in scripture. I just got to figure it out, Okay. So here we are in Luke chapter 6. In verse 32 it says, For if ye love them which love you, what thank have ye? For sinners also love those that love them. Verse 33 says, If ye do good to them that do good to you, what thank have ye? For so also do even the same. And if ye lend to them, in whom ye have hope to receive, what thank have ye? For sinners also lend to receive as much again. Now think about it. I'm going to go love somebody. And Jesus is saying, what thank ye having and loving them? Well, the only way I can consider that is if I go to a verse like in 1 John 4, where God says, for God so loved you, we ought to love one another. What we're doing is when we love other people, we're doing it to say, thank you, God, for having loved me. In other words, giving thanks is more than just something oral. Giving thanks is something you give. Amen? So if I go out and I reach and I love someone and I'm doing it to get something back, you know what? That's not true giving thanks. That's a social contract. Think about it this way. Um, When I used to teach, every once in a while, someone, a teacher, would have maybe a doctor's appointment. And we'd go, hey, Mrs. Black, would you cover my class? If you ever have a doctor's appointment, I'll cover your class. And she says, yeah, I'll take your class. And we go, oh, thank you. But really... When I agree to such arrangement, and someone says, Dolph, will you cover my class? And I'm thinking, okay, maybe one day I'll have an appointment and they can cover my class. Is that really a Thanksgiving? According to this, no. It's really a contract. You gotta, I got, it's an IOU, isn't it? Well, in here Jesus is saying, when you love someone with the expectation of being loved again... That's not the kind of thanksgiving that, Paul, that is being talked about in 1 John chapter 4. And it's the same thing about doing good. Well, I'm going to do something to Brother Brandon because I know Brother, one day he'll pay me back. Well, that's not a thanksgiving. And the last thing is, if I'm going to lend some money to someone that's most likely going to pay me back, that's not a thanksgiving. Do you, do you understand? Okay, let's go to the next verse, though. This is is the problem. Okay? Whoops, I went the wrong way. I think my battery died. But anyway, here it is. Read verse 35. But love ye your enemies, and do good, and lend, hoping for nothing again, and your reward shall be great. Think about that. You got it. Sister Peggy got it. That's the first giggle. Thank you. What's she laughing at? You got it? Okay. I'm going to love Lincoln because he's going to love me back. I'm going to love James because he's going to love me back. I'm going to do good to Richard because he's going to do something good for me. And I'm going to lend a to Emory because he's going to pay me back. And the guy says, no, 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 don't do it that way. Just do it anyway. Because if you love him, God will pay you back. And if I do good to him, God will do good to me. Is that really thanks? Is it? It's kind of like Paul. I'll take the gift from the Philippians, but I won't take them from the Thessalonians, Right? I'll I'll take the loving from you. I don't want your loving. I want God's loving. It's still an arrangement, isn't it? So, So what's going on here? Hoping for nothing again. And your reward shall be great. And ye shall be the children of the highest, for he is kind unto the unthankful and to evil the evil. What he's saying is these people that love, that people that do good, that people that lend to get the, counter, the contract back, he says those are to the thankful, and God says he's kind to them and to the sinners. So, so what is it? Is it possible to be, to give an unthankful thanks? I hope that doesn't sound like double talk. Okay? Okay. Right now I see a lot of confused looks. So I'm going to dive in even deeper. i got another passage in Luke 14 that teaches the exact same principle. So stay with me. I'm in Luke 14. I'm going to start reading at verse 12. This is the, the, the same principle. And then I've got a couple illustrations to try to explain it to you. Then said he also to him that bade him... When thou makest a dinner or a supper, call not thy friends, nor thy brethren, nor thy kinsmen, nor thy rich neighbors, lest they also bid thee again and a recompense be made to thee. Okay, you're going to show hospitality. Don't show hospitality, just the people that's going to show you hospitality. But when thou makest a feat, call the poor, call the maim, call the lame, call the blind, call the people that will never invite you back to their house. Amen. Huh. And thou shalt be blessed, for they cannot recompense thee, for thou shalt be recompensed at the resurrection of the just. Okay, I'm not going to do it for them. I'm going to do it because God's going to pay me back. Is that the right attitude? I don't think that's thanksgiving. But God's telling me to do that. What's the difference? How, how, how can I invite people over I'm afraid if I invite people over, I'm going to expect that they'll pay me back. I'm going to invite people over because they're not going to expect me to pay me back. But God will pay me back. So what should I do? So I don't do anything. No, that's not what I do. <laughs> right? So what do I do? How do I do it? Now, let me give you two illustrations. The first one is Abraham. Okay, you Ready? It's a little lengthy passage, but I think it's worth reading. I'm going to go to Genesis 14 if you want to turn your Bibles there and read along. I'm just going to pick out a couple verses, but I would encourage you to read the whole passage. Genesis 14. Let me start reading at verse 14. And when Abraham heard that his brother was taken captive, he armed his trained servants, born of his own house, 318, and pursued them unto Dan. Okay, now I keep saying Abraham, but he was known by Abram for a while. And then later on, chapter two later, his name was changed to Abraham. So hopefully you'll follow me. I don't mean to confuse you. But Sodom was overrun. And everything was taken away. People were taken away. Wives were taken away. Assets were taken away. It was all. And the problem was, is Abraham didn't live in Sodom, but his nephew Lot did. So when Abraham heard about this terrible thing that happened to Sodom, he got some of his servants, 318 of them, and went after this army, and he overtook them, and he got everything back. So that, let's, let's just, Now, does that sound like loving his brother? Does that sound like doing good? It sounds yeah, he did, right? Let's watch. Verse 15, And he divided himself against them, he and his servants, and by night, and smote them, and pursued them unto Hobah, which is on the left hand of Damascus, and he brought back all the goods, and also brought again his brother Lot, and his goods, and the women also, and the people. So Abram took off his 318 uh, soldiers and farmhands. And they go after this army, and they overcome them, and they overpower them, and they get everything, and, and they come back home. And when they come back home, this is in verse 21. I'm skipping down a couple of verses. The king of Sodom says this. He said unto Abraham, give me the persons and take the goods to thyself. In other words, you went and you saved all these people, and you brought all their stuff back. The king of Sodom said, just take the stuff. It's yours. It's yours. You deserve it. That's how we want to say thank you. And Abraham said to the king of Sodom, I have lift up mine hand unto the Lord, the most high God, the possessor of heaven and earth, that I will not take from a thread, even a shoe latchet. I don't want anything. I don't want a milk cow. I don't want an ox. I don't want any raiment. I don't want a very talented slave. I do not want a very pretty slave. I don't want any gold. I don't want any... I don't even want a shoelace. And that I will not take anything that is thine, lest thou should say, I have made Abram rich. But notice what happens in the very first verse in the next chapter. Chapter 15 and verse 1. After these things, the word of the Lord came unto Abram in a vision, saying, Fear not, Abraham, I am thy shield, and thy exceeding great reward. What was Abram's reward? God was his reward. Abraham wasn't doing it to get something from man. Abraham wasn't doing something to get something from God. Abraham was walking in faith, and God was Abraham's reward. What a difference what a difference you know there's some thanks that are given in psalms i want to read a couple of those here's six of them notice what it says going along this theme about god being our reward psalm 30 and verse 4 says sing unto the lord o ye saints of his and give thanks at the remembrance of his holiness god i thank you because you're so holy 75 and 1. Unto thee, O God, do we give thanks. Unto thee do we give thanks, for thy name is near, thy wondrous works declare. God, I give thanks for your wondrous works. 100 and verse 4. Enter into the gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him and bless his name. Lord, I'm thankful for your name. And of course, with his name comes his reputation. 106 and 1, praise ye the Lord, O give thanks, for he is good and his mercy endureth forever. I'm giving thanks for God's goodness and his mercy. At midnight, I will rise to give thanks unto thee because of thy righteous judgments. How many times have you ever thanked God for his judgments? The psalmist did. And ultimately, his judgments are good, the best for us. And then finally, 104 and verse 13, I'm sorry, 140 and verse 13 Surely the righteous shall give thanks unto thy name. The upright shall dwell in thy presence. Lord, just thank you for being near. Thank you for being here. You know, that's what Abraham was thinking. That was the reward Abraham was looking for. I just want to be close to God. That's it. Now, God typically goes far and above anything we think or imagine. Amen? But that's all he wanted. He just wanted to be close to God. One thing about when we do a contract and I call them a contract, when we do something for someone else, it's kind of horizontal. We kind of know what we're expecting back. But with God, we have no idea what he's going to give us or when he's going to give it to us. Or if he's going to give it to us. It could be in a completely different form. See, that's the difference. But I will tell you, you can never outgive God. I dare you, try it. Okay? So, the act of the thanks the act of kindness is your thanks for God giving you something, okay? You don't do it to to, to get an IOU. All right, here's the second illustration. The first one we did was Abraham. I'm, I'm trying to illustrate this point about doing something not from a reward for men, and we're doing it not for a reward from God, but we do it for faith from God, and a lot of times that is a reward, but that's not our motive. If not, it's no different than expecting something from man. Am I wading in too deep? Am I getting too technical? Motive is everything. Okay? Second Kings 5, we're going to read about f- three main characters in this place, this, this particular account. We're going to be, read about a Syrian general named <clears throat> Naaman, he's one character. We're going to read about Elisha and we're going to read about his servant. Um, I always always want to put um, an N in there, but there's no N. Gehazi. I think that's how you pronounce his name, Gehazi. And it turns out Elisha was always thankful. Gehazi was never thankful. And Naaman started out unthankful, but became thankful. So we're going to see all three. We're going to see one that's purely thankful, one that's never thankful, and then one that was converted. I think the conversion one is the one we want to pay attention to. Okay? So again, this is all recorded in 2 Kings 5. I'm not going to read the whole chapter. I'm going to cherry pick some verses. But again, it's your responsibility to go home and read this whole chapter. And when you're sitting at home and, and you're at a dinner table, it's just you and your wife or it's you and your children and you want to do a study, this is good stuff to go over, okay? My job is to equip rams to feed their lambs or their ewes. <laughs> That's what I'm trying to do. 2 Kings chapter 5, verse 1. Now Naaman, captain of the host of the king of Syria, he was a general, Okay, was a great man with his master and honorable because by him the Lord had given deliverance unto Syria. He was also a mighty man in valor, but he was a leper. And the Syrians had gone out by companies and had brought away captive out of all the land of Israel a little maid and she waited on Naaman's wife. And she said unto her mistress, Would God, my Lord, were with the prophet that is in Samaria, for he would recover him from his leprosy. Now, try to understand the situation. The man's got leprosy. Now, I don't know how they communicated or if they communicated. Right? They didn't FaceTime. Yes. Did they shout across the barnyard? How did they talk? How did they communicate? They probably didn't live in the same house. This is important, right? And this little servant, this little slave, this little Jewish slave says, you know what? It would be good for your husband to go talk to our prophet. So let's go and skip down a little bit. I'm going to start reading in verse 9. So the situation comes and Naaman is finally consents and he goes. It took a little co- coaxing, but finally he gets there. Verse 9. So Naaman came with his horses and with his chariot and stood at the door of the house of Elisha. Now remember, he's remember, he's still unclean. He's got to stay, keep his distance. And Elisha sent a messenger unto him saying, Go and wash in Jordan seven times and thy flesh shall come again unto thee, and thou shalt be clean. But Naaman was wroth. And went away and said, Behold, I thought he would surely come out to me and stand and call on the name of the Lord his God and strike his hand over the place and recover the leper. Naaman was mad. He didn't get healed like he thought he should get healed. Basically what happened? I thought God was going to do it this way. Have you ever got mad for not doing it the way you wanted it? Have you ever got mad at not doing it when you wanted him to do it? Yeah, everybody's giggling that we're we're all guilty there, right? Okay. Think about it. You got leprosy. I think I'd be doing, I I always hate when I say this, I'd be doing car wheels. There's hope, right? God didn't do it the way I wanted to do it, right? Okay, that's us. That's us all the time. Let me skip down to verse 14. I'm still in 2 Kings 5. Then went he down and dipped himself seven times in Jordan, according to the saying of the man of God. And his flesh became again like unto him, flesh of a little child, and he was clean. And he returned to the man of God, he and all his company, and came and stood before him. And he said, Behold, now I know that there is no God in all the earth, but in Israel. Now, therefore, I pray thee, take a blessing of thy servant. And here's Elisha. And Elisha said, As the Lord liveth before whom I stand, I will receive none. And he urged him to take it, but he refused. So this is kind of like what we just read with Abraham, right? Here comes this rich Syrian general, and he gets healed. He's, he, ah, do you know what this means? I, I can go home, I can live in the same house, I can hug my wife, I can kiss her on the cheek, we can sleep in the same bed again. I, look at all this. I want to give you a reward. And Elisha says, uh-uh, I don't want a thing from you. Elisha didn't do it to get, amen. Okay, verse 17 and Naaman said shall there not then I pray thee be given to thy servant two mules burden of earth say what so Naaman says I want something from you I want two loads of dirt what in the world would he want two loads of dirt for y'all are reading ahead I know because it's bothering you this is my speculation Okay. He was converted. He believed Jehovah God was the God of the whole universe. And he was going to go back home to Syria with his pagan king. And he was going to have to participate in some pagan rituals, not in worship. He did not want to defile God. So you know what I think he did? This is my, purely my speculation. Well, actually, another primitive Baptist speculation who convinced me that this was true. That was a head-scratcher for me. What do you want dirt for? When it was time to worship, Naaman had to bow down. I think. When he bowed down, he did not want to utter the honor that idol, he wanted to look at the dirt of Israel to remind him of the God of Israel. And when he kneeled down, his kneel, his knees were on God's dirt, Israel's dirt. And that reminded him of the Lord that made him clean. That's my speculation. I think he became from a very unthankful man when he was going to Elisha, thinking some spectacular thing, buying his, because he wanted that contract. He didn't want to owe to anyone. And then he got over here to a place where he says, all I want is dirt. Dirt. My wife's birthday was last week. She didn't settle for dirt. (laughs) I wouldn't settle for dirt. You understand? She's smiling real big, okay? I'm joking. All right, let me read the rest of the passage. I'm in uh, 2 Kings 5, verse uh, 17. And Naaman said... Shall there not, then I pray thee, be given to thy servant two meals burdened of dirt? (laughs) God's got a sense of humor, doesn't he? For thy servant will henceforth offer neither burnt offering nor sacrifice unto other gods but unto the Lord. In this thing that the Lord pardon thy servant, that when thy master goeth into the house of Rimon to worship there, and he leaned on my hand, he's talking about his king, and to bow myself unto the house of Rimen. When I bow down myself in the house of Rimen, the Lord pardon thy servant in this thing. And he said, Go in peace, so he departed from him a little way. Okay? Now here's the unthankful guy. Okay, here's the unthankful guy. Second Kings five. But Gehazi the servant Elisha, the man of God, said, Behold, my master hath spared Naaman, this Syrian, in receiving at not receiving at his hands, that which he brought. But as the Lord liveth, I will run after him and take somewhat of him. So Gehazi followed after Naaman, and when Naaman saw him turning around, he lighted down from his chariot to meet him and said, Is all well? And Gehazi said, All is well. My master hath sent me, saying, Behold, even now there cometh to me men from Ephraim, two young men of the sons of the prophets. This is a bold faced lie, right? Give them, I pray thee, a talent of silver and two changes of garments. This is the word I want to focus on, verse 23. This is the key to thanksgiving. And Naaman said, Be content, take two talents if he was really content, he never would have made the trip and asked for one talent. Amen? And he urged him and bound two talents. So, go ahead, take these two talents. And he said, no, no, I only really, really need one. No, no, take them, take them. And he tied them up and he left. And he left with the two talents for each one of the men. That's the unthankful, okay? But I'm sharing this because content is the word. It is hard to give thanks when you're discontent. It is impossible to give thanks when you're discontent. Well, how do you get content? Well, I got this little pill box here, and you take this little pill and it takes care of- No, that's not what happens. It's a whole state of mind. Okay? So with that being said, let's let's go forward. Got one more passage. We looked at this principle in Luke 6. We looked at the principle in Luke 14, and I got one more place where the principle shows up. It's in Hebrews 6. It's this paradox. I'm going to do something good for my fellow man, not because I want something from my fellow man. I'm going to do something for my fellow man because God is great. Not because I want something from God. It's because God is great. And yes, he usually rewards, but I'm doing it because of faith, not for the reward. And when God gives a reward... It's what I need, not what I want. Amen? Okay, Hebrews 6. But, beloved, we are persuaded better things of you and things that accompany salvation, though we thus speak. Here's the phrase I want you to remember, to, to, to keep in mind. For God is not unrighteous to forget your work and labor of love. Now, that sounds like an IOU, Right? It says like the IOU for the teacher who's going to cover me in the class, so I'm going to cover you, and so you cover me. That's the IOU. But that's not the way it works with God. It's talking about faith. Let's read this. Which ye have showed toward his name, and that ye have ministered to saints and do minister. God will remember when you minister to saints and when you do minister. He will remember that. but it's not a ledger for you to get blessings or crowns, right? And we desire that every one of you do show the same diligence, why? To the full assurance of hope unto the end. I'm going to do right because I have a hope at the end. There is a heaven that waits. And I'm doing good not to earn that heaven, I'm doing good because that heaven is there for me. That ye should I, that ye be not slothful, but followers of them through faith and patience inherit the promise. Well, I'm not I don't want I, I'm not going to be slothful because I want to inherit the promise. That's not the condition here. I'm doing it because the promises are there, not to get the promises. Okay? So with that being said, I'm looking at where we're at in time. I've got some more here. I want to read a couple things here just to entice you, to get you ready to thinking about giving thanks for next week. I'm just going to read off two lists. I'm not going to expound on them. I don't have time to get into it. But I want to encourage you to start looking for thanks in Scripture over the next week or the next two, couple weeks. I found recorded... Now, now Jesus prayed all the time. We find him praying at night. We pray early in the morning. For, we go off for 40 days and praying for, 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 you know, sending the disciples ahead on a ship and going to a top of a mountain and pray. He prayed before he ministered. He prayed after he preached. I mean, he prayed all the time. But there are four specific occasions where what, is, what he actually gave thanks for is recorded. I'm sure there's plenty more than that, but I can only find four times where it says specifically what he was thankful for. The first one, Matthew 15, 36 he thanked God for seven loaves and two fish. Remember when he felt the multitudes? He gave thanks. Well, we do that, right? Okay. In Luke twenty-two, seventeen and 19, that first communion service, he gave thanks for the bread and the wine. That sounds like the first one. Yeah, okay. But the next two have me scratching my head. In Matthew 11, verse 25, he says, God, I thank you for hiding the truth from the wise and revealing it unto babes. That's kind of a funny prayer request, isn't it? Wait until you read some Paul's. In John 11, verse 41, he said, Lord, thank you for hearing my prayer. I don't know if you ever read the Psalms, somewhere in you know, the 50s to the 70s, David wrote a lot of those Psalms, and he says, Lord, hear my prayer. Listen to me, bend an ear to me. And that's exactly what Jesus says, Lord, thank you for hearing my words. That sounds like a pretty good prayer, huh? Okay, we're going to study giving thanks over the next couple of weeks. I'm just trying to entice you. I'll tell you what, with that, I'm just going to stop there. I'll leave Paul's. But I'll, let me tell you my favorite one, the one that I just scripted. You remember what he said to the Corinthians in chapter 1? He said, thank God I baptized none of you. <laughs> wow, Paul, having a bad day? No? I think there's more to it. Okay, so we're going to get into Paul's head next week, and we're going to, and hopefully Jesus too, and we're going to look at some of those. <laughs> Was Paul being unthankful at that time? Maybe, maybe not. We'll see. So may the Lord bless us as we study this word, as we prepare to celebrate with our family as this thing we call Thanksgiving. God bless you. Thank you. <clears throat>